Day 26, y'all. Some of us didn't think we would make it to day 26. Some of us didn't think we would make it to day 26 feeling this strong. And some of us are here at day 26 just holding on and hoping to finish. And that's the nature of this crazy 5K every day in the month of May 2022 challenge. It meets you where you are at and takes you as far as you are willing to go. Keep going strong. Today is another day. Tomorrow is another day still. And Saturday, well, Saturday is just plain mayhem. Welcome back to the 5K Every Day in the Month of May 2022 podcast. I'm Jeff Pullen, and today is Thursday, May 26. Our daily fun photo challenge for today is to show off your faithful or brand new running or walking shoes. If you have not yet taken advantage of the Vertical Runner of Worcester 15% off a pair of shoes deal, go on in there, grab yourself a pair of shoes, then snap a photo and show off your new kicks on the 5K Every Day in the Month of May Facebook group page. I love seeing people taking their health seriously, investing in themselves, and setting themselves up for future success. To get you started today, here's a song from Poland Band called Seasons. Oh, this world, it changes like the seasons, and our attempt to reason, it just leaves us empty and wanting. You alone, you stand your ground unshaken Oh Lord, when you awaken My hope in you In every season Faithfulness on display 
This week's Bible memory verse is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I sure hope that you have put your faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation and that you're choosing to live in that abundant eternal life that he purchased for us on the cross. Let's go ahead and jump into our daily Bible reading. We are currently in the Gospel of John. Chapter 8. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness, because you will have the light that leads to life. The Pharisees replied, You are making those claims about yourself. Such testimony is not valid. Jesus told them, These claims are valid even though I make them about myself. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you don't know this about me. You judge me by human standards. But I do not judge anyone. And if I did, my judgment would be correct in every respect. Because I am not alone. The Father who sent me is with me. Your own law says that if two people agree about something, their witnesses accept it as fact. I am one witness, and my Father who sent me is the other. Where is your Father? They asked. Jesus answered, Since you don't know who I am, you don't know who my Father is. If you knew me, you would also know my Father. Jesus made these statements while he was teaching in the section of the temple known as the treasury. But he was not arrested, because his time had not yet come. Later, Jesus said to them again, I am going away. You will search for me, but will die in your sin. You cannot come where I am going. The people asked, is he planning to commit suicide? What does he mean you cannot come where I am going? Jesus continued, You are from below. I am from above. You belong to this world, but I do not. That is why I said that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die in your sins. Who are you? They demanded. Jesus replied, The one I have always claimed to be. I have much to say about you and much to condemn, but I won't. For I say only what I have heard from the one who sent me, and he is completely truthful. But they still didn't understand that he was talking about his father. So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, then you will understand that I am he. I do nothing on my own, but say only what the Father taught me. And the one who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me, for I always do what pleases him. Then many who heard him say these things believed in him. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Yes, I realize that you are descendants of Abraham, and yet some of you are trying to kill me because there's no room in your hearts for my message. I am telling you what I saw when I was with my father, but you are following the advice of your father. Our father is Abraham, they declared. No, Jesus replied, for if you were really the children of Abraham, you would follow his example. Instead, you are trying to kill me because I told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham never did such a thing. No, you are imitating your real father, they replied. We aren't illegitimate children. God himself is our true father. Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me because I I have come to you from God. I am not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I am saying? It's because you can't even hear me. For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? And since I am telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. But you don't listen because you don't belong to God. The people retorted, You Samaritan devil! Didn't we say all along that you were possessed by a demon? 
No, Jesus said, I have no demon in me, for I honor my father and you dishonor me. And though I have no wish to glorify myself, God is going to glorify me. He is the true judge. I tell you the truth, anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. The people said, Now we know you are possessed by a demon. Even Abraham and the prophets died, but you say, Anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? And Jesus answered, If I want glory for myself, it doesn't count, but it is my father who will glorify me. You say, He is our God. God, but you don't even know him. I know him. If I said otherwise, I would be as great a liar as you, but I do know him and obey him. Your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. The people said, you aren't even 50 years old. How can you say you have seen Abraham? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was even born, I am. At that point, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. The opening verse of chapter 8 gives us a bit of insight into the secret life of Jesus. It just says this, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. That's John 8, verse 1. What's so interesting about this simple verse? Jesus was a creature of habit. He habitually withdrew to lonely places to pray. And one of his favorite places to pray, it seems, was the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is a nice, quiet range of hills overlooking the Temple Mount. It's between Bethany and Jerusalem. And Jesus passed through this area often. And it appears that he spent a lot of time praying in the Mount of Olives. Though John does not mention it by name, Matthew and Mark mention that the Garden of Gethsemane is the location for the prayers that John records Jesus praying prior to his betrayal and arrest in the latter chapters of the Gospel of John, which we'll be getting to in a couple of days. And the Garden of Gethsemane is located within the Mount of Olives. I vividly remember being in the Mount of Olives myself and taking the time to just be alone with God to pray. It was a serene and deeply meaningful time. This pattern of private prayer, it seems, was a regular custom for Jesus. As followers of Christ, I believe it would be incredibly beneficial for us to follow Him in forming these consistent patterns of prayer in our own lives. Now, as a side note, I would like to just throw this out there. One of the cool areas of ministry that I would like to get into with the Jeff Pullen Music Ministry is to begin offering trips to the Holy Land. I have personally been to Israel on three separate occasions and was planning to go on my fourth trip in March of 2020. Obviously, the COVID-19 pandemic shut down my plans and I have not been to Israel since. But once all of this COVID madness is finally behind us, I would like to not only travel back to Israel myself, but also open it up and invite others to join me. We would start each morning with a group devotion and prayer time, then tour Israel by day, being intentional about stopping to open the Bible and to better understand what we are looking at and to better understand the life of Jesus and his followers. Then I would like to close each evening with a wrap-up session and worship time. And if that's something that sounds interesting to you and you would want to be on the list to be made aware of when that trip will be, let me know by leaving a comment on the 5K May 2022 Day 26 blog post. Or you could just reach out to me directly. Additionally, while I'm on the subject, if you would simply like to know more about the Jeff Pullen Music Ministry, what we do, and how you could be involved, or how you could become a ministry partner, helping us to point others to Jesus on an ongoing basis, please reach out to me and let me know. We would love to have you on our team. This ministry exists because of the amazing men and women of God who believe in this ministry and have been blessed by this ministry, and who keep it going strong through their faithful prayers and financial support. My wife and I are full-time musicianaries with the Jeff Poland Music Ministry, and we are able to offer and facilitate amazing events and ministry opportunities like this 5K Every Day in the Month of May Challenge because of the faithful support of our JPM ministry partners. So a big shout out and thank you to all of you amazing JPM ministry partners out there. You are awesome. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you for helping us to keep this thing going. All right. Enough for that side note. Let's get back to the Bible. Chapter 9. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, Go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said, Nah, he just looks like him. 
But the beggar kept saying, Yes, I am the same one. They asked, Well, who healed you? What happened? He told them, The man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. Where is he now? They asked. I don't know, he replied. Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees, because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. The Pharisees asked the man all about it, so he told them, He put mud over my eyes, and then I washed it away, and I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man Jesus is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, But how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. Then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, What's your opinion about this man who healed you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. The Jewish leader still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see, so they called in his parents. They asked him, Is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he now see? His parents replied, We know this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or what healed him. Ask him. He is old enough to speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why they said, He is old enough. Ask him. So for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know this man Jesus is a sinner. I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind and now I can see. But what did he do? They asked. How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed. I told you once. Didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they cursed him and said, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. Why, that is very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes and yet you don't know where he comes from. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. You were born a total sinner, they answered. Are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. When Jesus heard what happened, he found the man and said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they see that they are blind. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, Are you saying we're blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied, but you remain guilty because you claim you can see. To help us get a little better look at what is going on here in John 9 and to give you a chance to get to know one of the amazing guys who helps make this 5K every day in the month of May challenge possible, I finally got a chance to sit down and talk with the elusive Joe Heatwell. I hope you enjoy this conversation. All right, I am talking with Joe Heatwell, good friend of mine. A guy who is a pastor, who is a runner, or I don't know, do you call yourself a runner or do I just call yourself a runner? I I, I was saying like I'm a former runner, current walker runner. I I ran last night, so we're going, getting back into running. So you are a runner, uh, pastor, you have done some pretty cool missions stuff, you run the, the Better Life Coffee which I'm pretty sure gets you free access into heaven. I think that makes you a saint. I'm not sure how all that works. You have to straighten me out there. But can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Who are we talking to here? Sure. So, yeah, you kind of you kind of gave me a good intro. Um, I'm a pretty regular guy. So, I mean, I think my parents, when they named me Joe, did my destiny. They kind of pushed out my destiny. They said, eventually, this guy, they're prophetic. You know, I'm just kind of starting to understand all this prophetic stuff. And I, I think there were prophets and they knew that one day I was going to get into coffee. It's been kind of an amazing journey because if you had told me 10 years ago that I'd be into missional coffee, I wouldn't have believed you. But God has been really doing an amazing thing in my life. And back in 2010, he kind of got me on this journey of missions and caring for people other than myself. It, it, it all started with a trip that I took down to Nicaragua where I got to meet some amazing people that were growing coffee, some farmers that were growing coffee. And kind of it was it was one of those deals where, you know, I wasn't planning on doing this. I think God had bigger and better plans. This one guy told me once, he said, if your dreams aren't big enough, or no, he said, if you're if you're dreaming and you don't have to pray for your dreams to be fulfilled, they're probably not big enough. 
it's pretty amazing how God takes us, even though we don't really know what the future holds, he kind of directs us through it. And we went, I went down on a mission trip to Nicaragua and started buying coffee, which is a, a really long story. I'll try to give you an abbreviated version of that. But a little bit about myself. I am married. I have uh, married to a beautiful woman named Heather, and I have four kids, Hannah, Matt, Zach, and Elijah, and we have take up residence in Delton. So yeah, it's, um, it's been a good life. I, I moved originally here from Alberta, Canada, and uh, became a pastor about five years ago. And so, like I said, it's been a, it's been a very interesting journey so far. Yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that Better Life Coffee, how that got started. What is it? I love the idea of missional coffee. But not only are you serving delicious coffee, which I am a huge fan of Better Life, but you have decided you want to be a part of the 5K every day in the month of May challenge. First, you were a participant. You did the challenge right alongside of me. Uh, and then you decided, man, I want to actually be a sponsor. So Jeff Pullen Music, Vertical Runner of Worcester, and Better Life Coffee are the people who put this challenge on. And I really do appreciate you partnering with us to do that. Uh, you also so many times set up and serve delicious coffee at the Jeff Pullen Music 5K and Music Fest and at our annual ministry banquet. And I, I appreciate that so much. Mm-hmm. Can you just tell us a little bit more about Better Life and why... Uh, you love partnering uh, with other ministries like you do. Uh, I guess one thing about partnering with a ministry such as yourself, I always feel that God has gifted us each with our own unique giftings and talents. And I, I feel that I'm not a good singer. I'm a terrible musician. I tried learning to play guitar one time. It failed miserably because for one, my music teacher said I did not practice, which I admit I did not practice. But I always wanted to, you know, shred the guitar and stuff like that. And I wanted to be a singer. And so now I'll just be content in, you know, supporting people who do that well. And especially what makes it especially personal to me as someone who's sharing the gospel while they're doing that. Uh, I think it's it's incredible. Music has an incredible way of, for one, we're worshiping God when we're playing music or when we're singing. And another thing with with music is that it touches people outside of maybe my sphere of influence. Um, it, can, it can reach people that are not always um, people that I would associate with or rub shoulders with. It just has that really cool way of bringing people together. And so I think with, with our coffee, if we can support organizations like yours, um, you, know, you call yourself a musicianary. I love that term because I think it's very fitting. You know, it's something that I can't do. I can, right? I can, I'm a good salesman. I can sell coffee. And so we'd like to support people both locally in our local community, as well as our coffee uh, serves people missionally in Nicaragua as well. So that's kind of that nice blend of both places. So um, how Better Life Coffee got started, like I said, I was, I was on a mission trip down in Nicaragua and a really crazy story. I was driving around in the back of a Hilux Toyota and there was a hitchhiker that we picked up and turned out to be a missionary from Washington state. And him and I sat in the back of the truck and he was telling me the story about how he moved from Washington to help these farmers learn better farming practices, how to, how to make them better at doing their farming. And and one of the, the things that he noticed is they were having a hard time selling their coffee. And so that next day, you know, this hitchhiker guy who I had met literally like 12 hours before went and we went and visited a coffee farm. This farmer was telling me the story how he had loaned some money. It was about $5,000 from a loan shark because banks just don't loan money out to people there in Nicaragua. Like if they loan it, it's at exorbitant interest rates. And so this guy was doing a 17% interest rate, which was still crazy high. But he had a really bad coffee harvest that year. And the loan shark came around and he wanted to collect his his money. And when the guy came around, he did not have the funds. He was like, I think he had like $1,500. He was like 3,500 short. And so Lord Shark said, well, I, I need something as payment. And he said, I really don't have anything. I have a farm. I mean, the guy was very poor. He had seven kids and the loan shark said, well, I'll take your 12 year old daughter as payment. Uh, something that, you know, I have a daughter, you have daughters and something that would be literally unimaginable to me. And that's what happened. He, he ended up taking his daughter and it wasn't just like as a, you know, he took her for, to work off the debt or something like that. He took her permanently. She, he, they never seen the girl again. And that really 
struck a chord with me. I was like, there's just no way that if, if there's something that I can do about it, I wanted to try to help. And so that's when I kind of had this one of those light bulb moments, you know, in the, in the comics where this light bulb appears over your head. And I was like, well, I can buy coffee. I said, I enjoy coffee. I said, I'll, I'll buy coffee from you. Honestly, when, when, I, when I bought the coffee initially or when I, when I said that, some of, the, some of the times you do things spur of the moment where you're kind of just like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll help you any which way I can. You know, you kind of give them that, that spiel. And when I went back to the States, you kind of got back into the rhythm of work and I was getting back to the rhythm of life here. And, and, and I, I remembered the girl. I remembered the farmer, but it wasn't like the foremost thing in my memory. And I got an email from Ben who said, hey, that farmer that you had met when we were down here, he said he has about 1,600 pounds of coffee he's willing to sell. Would you want to buy it? You kind of had alluded to the fact that you would do that. And so I was like, okay, you know, how much is that? And he said, well, it's about $3,500. And I was like, oh, you know, oh, crap. You know, I, I, I did kind of say I was going to buy coffee from him. I was doing my taxes. This was in March. I went down in January, and we got back about $3,000 um, on our tax rebate, which is the most I ever got. I've never got back that since. My wife and I just had this strong feeling that we should send this money down. So we Western Union down. I remember doing that thinking, I'm either going to get scammed or, you know, I'll probably never see this money again. And honestly, a couple months went by. It was June. And I got this email that said, you know, in Delta Cargo, you have some freight waiting to get picked up. And so I, I looked and here it was like 1600 pounds of coffee. And so I went up with my minivan, took all the seats out and, and loaded this thing up with coffee and drove it back home down 57 through Orville there and bottomed me out. I remember on two train tracks, I bottomed out because a minivan, I think the max payload is 600 pounds. So I was like 1200 pounds overweight. And uh, wrecked a shock and cracked something else in my minivan. But anyway, I got it home and we started, we roasted it, started selling it door to door, sold it at a couple different churches. There's some businesses that picked it up and, and it, it kind of took off. I mean, God just did some incredibly amazing things with it. He sold way more coffee than I ever could have. And I, I've thought about this in the past that, you know, God takes things like I didn't know anything about coffee. I drank it, but that was my extent, my, my extent of my knowledge of coffee. I think he enjoys getting glory out of things that I'm not really great at doing. Like, you know, he's, he said, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this. This is what we're going to do here. And, and I just want you along for the ride. You're my hands and feet. You're going to, you're going to kind of take care of the, the logistics part of it. And yeah, this last, I think 2019, we, we ordered about 80,000 pounds of coffee. So it's been an incredible journey and, and we support, we have a school down in Nicaragua with about 385 kids that we, we sponsor. Um, we're not the sole supporter of that, but we, we built a fence for them, libraries, bought them a lot of school supplies. We also have a feeding program down there with about 5,000 kids in it that have a monthly feeding program. And it's all different ways that, that we take the coffee and, and use the proceeds from it to fund different organizations. We, you know, we support obviously the 5k in May, and then we do monthly support there to Jeff Cole and ministry as well. So it's something that I love because I can give back. And it's such a great story because God is using, you know, something that's not only here in, in the U S but it's, it's impacting people in other countries as well. That's an amazing story. Every time you tell it, I, I don't want to hear it because it is heartbreaking. <laughs> yes. I mean, I pray for that farmer and for that girl, wherever she is at the same time, it is really an amazing thing to see how God can take something so ugly and so broken and make something beautiful out of it. And I mm -hmm. know, uh, you know, with your investment and with your, even your really just your willingness to follow through on something you said in the moment, I have to believe that God prompted you to say that the Holy Spirit pursues you to follow up on that. Uh, it is this farmer experiencing a better life as a result of that partnership. Yes. Yeah, totally. Um, and that's where we kind of, I remember when we were thinking the name, so I got this coffee here and I wasn't really, you know, I hadn't done a lot of marketing and I was laying in bed. I was like, what are we going to call this? Cause I can't just call it coffee. You know, it's, I mean, that would be a very descriptive title cause it is coffee, but I said, it has to have some kind of cool name. And, and I woke up, I remember getting up and it was like two in the morning. And I told my wife, I said, I have it. I said, we're going to call it better life coffee because we want to give someone else a better life. And, you know, it rolls off, you know, BLC. And if we want to ever do tea, it's going to be TLC. And it's, it just was great. You know, I had all these visions going through my head. But 
Um, what we do, particularly with the farmers, is I provide a loan that goes out actually right around now from, from May and June, which gives them kind of a head start. So what they do is we, I send down, them down money. They can start prepping for harvest. And so they'll buy like their fertilizers. They'll get, if they need any equipment repaired or fixed, a machinery, and they'll use that money and pay me back in coffee. So it's kind of like this kind of pre-loan that they get. And when coffee picking starts, which usually is our, our December, January, February, they pay me back in coffee. They get the money up front. And so they're not having to loan money now from loan sharks. And so right away, their entire system of farming changes because they're getting money that they're not paying interest on. I'm having to kind of foot the bill for a little bit. But for me, once I have the bow rolling now, it works out very well. And, and it's a you know, it, it's improving their, their entire family, like works on the farm. So it's, in, it's helping their family out. It's also helping their, their local community as well, because they're not relying on somebody that's extorting them for, you know, 17% interest. I love that so much. I mean, they obviously are gifted in growing the coffee. They know what they're doing. You're obviously gifted. I love the way that God has created you to be able to cope with those systems and to think through that. And it, it's really, it's a, just a simple thing that, that doesn't mean anybody could do it but it's not yeah. overly complicated and you're just yeah. walking in your giftings and your passion and following jesus through the process and i love that you do that uh, joe one of the things that people may not know about you because you grumble and complain so much <laughs> is that you really are an encourager at heart and uh, i know but even though you you curse my name throughout the 5K Bay challenge, deep inside you do kind of like it and you're yeah. glad that you've done it. And I'm wondering what kind of encouragement could you offer the participants of this year's 5K May challenge, especially knowing that they are they're so close to the finish line, they're coming down the home stretch. What kind of Joe Heatwool encouragement? could you send their way? Yeah. So that, that's interesting that you brought that up because deep inside us, we all enjoy a little pain and misery. We, we it just kind of, it, it appeals to the dark side of us. It appeals to our carnality, to the flesh. You know, we can complain about something. And it's really interesting that you said that because last night, Dr. Fink and I were making laps at 11 o'clock at night. I think it was like, we both pull into the, the Delton track parking lot. And I'm like, looking over and he's in his Subaru and I'm sitting here in my minivan and we get out and I was like, Oh, are you ready to do this? Joe? I said, I think we're walking tonight. Right. And I was like, you know what? I said, I think you're supposed to be here to push me to run because I felt bad this year. I have not been running. I've been kind of a little gimpy leg. And so I've, it kind of goes in spurts where I feel like running and then it works and then my leg goes bad and it doesn't. So I talked to, to Jeff, Fink and he was like, okay, let's run this. And so he's pushing me. And as we're running, I said, most of the time, the reason I'm running, like what pushes me to the edge is like, I can hear Jeff's words. This is Jeff Poland's words in my head, how, how angry and disappointed he would be if I quit now. And I said, I just can't bear the thought of, of facing him and listening to his, you know, derisive message to me. And so I, that's what's why I'm out here. But the joy I actually get out of doing it, we, were, we actually spent like 30 minutes running together and talking and sharing about life. And so what I've loved about this challenge is getting to hang out and run with people. Now, some people are solo runners. They like doing it by themselves. That's great. I mean, I, I normally am, but by walking more this year, I've actually walked with my wife and kids and we've had great discussions. We've had great conversations. It's forced me to go do that, even though I didn't want to. And so I guess the encouraging side that I'm going to bring out of this is when you set yourself a goal. And for me, I'm, I'm, I'm goal oriented for the most part, but it helps when you have an outside force get making the goal for you. And I think you did a good job. I've done this. I think I'm on my fifth year. I'd have to count for sure. I'm somewhere in there. But every year I, I kind of, I dread May, but then once I'm in the middle of May or once I'm in the second week of May, I'm like, man, I'm looking forward to this. This is a lot of fun. And the joy of finishing up every night, you know, I, I've been procrastinating. I'm doing it like 11 o'clock last night. I ended up at midnight because we sat and talked for another 30 minutes after we finished running and I'm crawling into bed. I'm like, what am I doing? How am I going to get up in the morning? But then I think back to the conversations we've had and I was like, we both walked away so encouraged from it. 
And so it's more than just getting out and doing a run. A lot of times it's also getting out and creating community and friendships and sharing with each other. I love that about it. That's really cool. All right. Now you are, we talked about this earlier, but you are not just an average Joe, but you're also a pastor. And I'm excited to hear what you're going to share with us today from the chapter that we're reading today, John 9. Uh, this, this chapter was kind of unique because I've been reading, actually, I don't read it. I've been actually listening to it because it's one of my One of my things that I do on the drive to and from work is I've started, I used to listen to podcasts and stuff like that. And I've just, I've been this past year, I've been so kind of getting wrapped up in just the word of God, just reading about it, just having it immersed in my life. Um, The thing that I do in the morning when I go to work, the thing when I come home from work is just that it's there in my life. And I did this challenge that I guess your listeners, if they ever want to do it next year, I'm going to do it. I had about 10 people from my church do it with me. It was called a 30 day shred. And we read through the Bible in 30 days. And it was this crazy thing where at first when I thought I'm doing it, it's like a, you know, do you actually get anything out of it? But when you spend two to three hours a day in the Bible, your mindset changes. It's not like I'm just trying to, you know, blast through these chapters. You actually are in the word. And after that, I did it through January. And after that, like, I literally get this hunger for reading the Bible. And I think it carried on like, Now, if I don't read sometime every day, I feel like I'm missing something. I literally feel that uh, something's missing in my life. And so reading here in John 9, Jesus tells a story about this this man that was born blind. And and if you look at the first part, or actually the last part of chapter 8, Jesus was getting threatened. He was supposed to be stoned by these people because they were, you know, he's supposedly blaspheming. Um, he's guilty of blasphemy. And it said he passed through, I think the King James says like he kind of passed through the crowd or, and hid himself from them. And then this very next verse, it goes, and as Jesus passed by, it starts out, that's how the chapter nine, verse one starts. And Jesus says, now as Jesus passed by, he saw a blind man who was blind from birth. And, and his disciples, you know, his disciples, you got to love these guys. I mean, they're I can, I can just see them there. They're, you know, oh, you know, where can we get this story that Jesus is telling us or and they see this guy, and they're, they're not really concerned about the blind man. Their, their question was, you know, who sinned, this man or his parents? No, not, this guy was obviously begging. He was probably trying to get some help, but their concern wasn't that. You know, what they were trying to do is like, you know, Jesus, who sinned here? You know, because they're, they're thinking from a law standpoint. They were thinking from, this is how they were taught in the, I believe in the synagogue. It was all about if you were had a deformity or something is wrong with you, somebody sinned in your life, or there was some kind of something bad had happened to you. And they totally like disregarded the man's actual condition. They showed no interest in actually helping the man. And Jesus was always about showing a better way. He was always showing a different way. And he didn't sit there dwelling on this kind of theological puzzle about who sinned this man's parents, you know, that he didn't try to speculate on that. What he did was like, how do we help him? And that really struck a chord with me today because I was like, how many times do I start to, you know, try to figure everything out from the the humanistic side instead of just loving the person, who they are, where they are, how do I help them in the state that they're in? And I think that's, you know, Jesus' response was, you know, he basically answered the question without truly answering it. He just said, this man nor his parents sinned, but the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am the world, I am the light of the world. Basically what God, what Jesus was saying is here, the, the reason a man was in this situation is so that God could get glory out of it because I want to reveal who God is through him. And so that's what he used here, you know, and, and I imagine this little boy when he was, you know, a kid probably asked his mom, you know, like, why am I blind? You know, and his mom probably didn't know what to say. She was probably like, she, she didn't have a good answer. Jesus explained it because God wanted to work in and through him. And he pointed the question away from the why and onto the idea of what God can do through him. And I really like that. You know, God didn't answer the why. He asked, what can God do in this specific thing? And I think that's what we have to look at more in life. Not just the why, but like, what can God, how can God work through me in the situation that I'm in? You know, maybe I'm not born blind or maybe, but maybe there's something else in my life that is kind of holding me back or, you know, how is God using that? And going back to my coffee story, I was 
kind of living the American dream at age 30. I was trying to just make money, have a nice house, do all this stuff. I wasn't really living for God the way I should have. I wasn't looking out for, you know, if there was somebody in my community who wasn't doing well, or even like going to a foreign country on a mission trip, I had zero care for that. I didn't, I didn't, my, my, my eyes weren't open to that. And, and God worked through me, I believe, where he was like, I want you to understand that these are my kids. These are my people. These are my, everybody's created in my image. And I want you to help them. And, and this is the way I want you to do it. And, and Jesus had to show his disciples, you know, like he, he went through a lot of effort here. He said he spat on the ground, made some clay, put it in the guy's eyes. And, you know, the story goes long. I mean, it, it gets really crazy because all the religious leaders of the day, they're like, who healed you? And they wanted to know why. And the guy's finally getting irritated with him. And he said, you know what? I've told you who healed me. I said, all I know is I was blind, but now I see. And that really is a picture of us transforming from light to darkness. Jesus takes us from a place where we're spiritually dead, we're spiritually blinded. And I can't always explain. All I know is that Jesus did it. You know, I can't explain the ins and outs. I know that he died for me. It's an it's a miracle because he took me from a place where I was, it was, it was pretty rough. And I wasn't, I wasn't a super, you know, quote unquote bad person, but I was lost. I was not a, I was not uh, living a good life. And he took me from being blind to seeing. And that's what I find is just, it's just amazing. You know, the, the, the people that should have been the most excited about this were the people that were teaching and preaching every day. And they were the, probably the Jesus biggest critics. And they were saying, you know, you know, you shouldn't be doing this. You know, you're, you did it through Satan or you did it through uh, some magic. You know, they were, they were all coming down on him. But yeah, that's, that's kind of what I, I came away with from reading this story. I just, I love how this became very controversial when it should have been just this amazing miracle. You know, it should have been Jesus healed the guy. He was blind. Now he can see. And it turned into this thing, you know, of, well, who healed you? Why did he heal you? How can a sinner heal you? How can he do signs? And it was more about this guy just ended up saying, man, I don't know. I was blind, but now I can see. And that has to be from God. So I love that. Amen. What a good word. I can sure resonate with that myself. I once was blind, but now I see. Hey, for anyone who has listened this far into the podcast, you are in luck. You are about to have a bit of a better life yourself. Joe is offering a 10% discount on Better Life Coffee through the month of June to 5K May 2022 participants. Now that's some real good news. So get yourself some delicious coffee and help some hardworking farmers all while saving 10%. To Get your Better Life Coffee at a 10% discount. Go to betterlifecoffee.com and enter the code 5KMay2022 at checkout. Now back to the Gospel of John. Chapter 10. I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The father loves me because I sacrifice my life so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. 
for this is what my father has commanded. When he said these things, the people were again divided in their opinions about him. Some said, he's demon-possessed and out of his mind. Why listen to a man like that? Others said, this doesn't sound like a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? It was now winter, and Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah, the festival of dedication. He was in the temple walking through the section known as Solomon's Colonnade. The people surrounded him and asked, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, just tell us plainly. Jesus replied, I have already told you, and you don't believe me. The proof is the work I do in my Father's name. But you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me, for my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. Once again, the people picked up stones to kill him. Jesus said, At my Father's direction, I have done many good works. For which one are you going to stone me? They replied, We're stoning you not for any good work, but for blasphemy. You, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus replied, It is written in your own scriptures that God said to certain leaders of the people, I say, you are gods. And you know that the scriptures cannot be altered. So if those people who received God's message were called gods, why do you call it blasphemy when I say, I am the son of God? After all, the Father set me apart and sent me into the world. Don't believe me unless I carry out my Father's work. But if I do his work, believe in the evidence of the miraculous works I have done, even if you don't believe me. Then you will know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Once again, they tried to arrest him, but he got away and left them. He went beyond the Jordan River near the place where John was first baptizing and stayed there a while. And many followed him. John didn't perform miraculous signs, they remarked to one another, but everything he said about this man has come true. And many who were there believed in Jesus. Whew, this was another full podcast. I hope you enjoyed hearing John 8 through 10 and hearing from Joe Heatwell today. I hope you are living in that better, abundant life that can only be found in Jesus Christ alone. To send you out today, here is a song from Poland Band called Great Redeemer. Oh